was the custom among Hasidic Jews to travel all year round from town to town as beggars and in this way to learn humility. They never stayed in any one place for less than a day, regardless of the humiliation of which they might, may, might be subjected. They never remained anywhere longer than two nights, even if they met with hospitality. Somewhere around the year 1760, a young rabbi by the name of Elimelech and his brother Zusia wandered through throughout Poland, going from place to place. One afternoon, the two brothers, hungry and worn out, arrived at a small town. Although they were starving, they were unable to eat. Even though they were exhausted, they could not sleep. They sensed something which they had never before experienced. They were gripped by a feeling of inexpressible fear and unbelievable terror. In the middle of the night, they left the town and never returned. In Yiddish, the town was called Oshpetsin. In Polish, Oshpetsin. On September 1st, 1939, he got a new name, Auschwitz, where my mother, Sipora Bat Yitzhak HaKohen, was born exactly 100 years ago last Rosh Hashanah. Our family recently commemorated the eighth Yorkside of her father, Yosef David Ben Dinunin, which is separated by just 11 days, also in Shvat, prior to the Yorkside of our mother, which starts tomorrow night. Thanks to the efforts of the college, we were fortunate to have a proper surface at the cemetery and at the college for the Shoshim. But two years have passed due to global COVID restrictions before the family could finally gather for a proper memorial to our mother, which we humbly do today. Aside from a few brief words spoken at the funeral, we are privileged today to sing the praises of our cherished mother in front of family and friends. Our family was blessed with many years that God graciously bestowed upon her, enabling her to meet all of her grandchildren and up to the time of her passing, 13 great-grandchildren. Growing up, my siblings and I were blessed with a mother who filled so many roles, devoted wife, and both mother and the grandmother we never knew, but whose wonderful midot and dedication to family was constantly shared with us. My mother was someone who celebrated life, was always positive and upbeat, with a perpetual aura of kindness, generosity, much of it anonymous. 
given that one had to sometimes remind oneself, given that one had sometimes had to sometimes remind oneself that she was a survivor. It's easy to recoil when one thinks about where she was born, but she would often recall to her children and grandchildren of growing up in a picturesque town with beautiful ornate shuls, whose Jewish inhabitants numbered almost 50%. Since the war ended, there seems to be more of a general emphasis on how Jews died. Holocaust museums are ubiquitous, and we tend to forget how Jews lived. My mother took great pride on being a Bach Cohen, as you heard, recalling her father and brothers reciting the priestly blessing and doting on her mother and father, from whom she learned so much growing up. But she always witnessed terrible, but she also witnessed terrible cruelty. A month before her 17th birthday, her idyllic life was ripped from her. But fortunately, her nightmare started out with one lucky break. The notorious Auschwitz-Birkenau camp, just two short kilometers from her town, was under construction and not yet operational, sparing her the inevitable. My mother shared a lot with, with my siblings and I, such as the terrible places she was in, including Bergen-Belsen and surviving a raging typhus outbreak at the end of the war, which killed indiscriminately. I believe that during her lifetime, she, as well as my father, can never really come to grips with the savagery that they witnessed. And observing what human beings were capable of inflicting upon other human beings, often shaking her head in utter disbelief. I think the late Elie Wiesel, chillingly, summed it up through his brilliant prose from his 1965 book, One Generation After. Quote, yes, it is possible to defy life and creation and feel no remorse. To experiment with monstrous mutations and still believe in the soul and immortality. To go on vacation, be enthralled by the beauty of the landscape, make children laugh and still feel regularly day in and day out the duties of children. There was then a technique, a science of murder, complete with specialized laboratories, business meetings, and progress charts. Many of those engaged in its practice held degrees in philosophy, sociology, biology, general medicine, psychiatry, and the fine arts. There were lawyers among them and unthinkable but true theologians. He continues, it is possible to be born into the upper or middle class. 
receive a first-rate education, respect parents and neighbors, visit museums, and attend literary gatherings, play a role, a role in public life, and begin one day to massacre men, women, and children without hesitation and without guilt. It is possible to fire your gun at living targets and nonetheless delight in the cadence of a poem, the composition of a painting. One spiritual legacy provides no screen. Ethical concepts offer no protection. One may torture the son before his father's eyes and still consider oneself a man of culture and religion and dream of a peaceful sunset over the sea. As we enter and celebrate, enjoy the new month of Adar, starting tomorrow night, may Hashem bring quiet and unity to this wonderful country of ours and to its many survivors who lovingly still walk amongst us. I'd like to offer our Humble thanks to Ralph Kralinski and Ralph Herschel and to all the wonderful and dedicated Rebeam here tonight for joining us in remembering our parents, two amazing people who over the years felt so much at home in this very special place. I'm very proud to acknowledge the presence of my sister Rochelle and her husband Lauren my wife Susan and our son Adam, as well as longtime friends and guests. Thank you.